please to the Gospel of John, chapter number 1. John, chapter number 1. For our reading this morning, we'll begin in verse 1 down through verse 11. John 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. I don't want to sound like a grouch this morning, but I I get a little bit tired of these puzzles like find the different one. Most of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, and, and whenever I look at one of those, my first thought is, really? Because it usually takes about four or five seconds to see the answer. It is so obvious that it's like, you got to be kidding me. Why would you post something like that? What's the point? A- answer is obvious. Well, so it seems. Uh, I thought so until all of a sudden one of those uh, made me look like the fool because as I looked at it and then all of a sudden I noticed that uh, I had missed the obvious because in this particular puzzle... It said, find the different one, but they were all different. I found a different one from the one that was next to it, and I thought, man, that was easy. So what I'm saying is it's easy for us sometimes to miss the obvious. Uh, Reminds me of a Sherlock Holmes story, and of course, every time I think of Sherlock Holmes, I think about Brother Ron. He loved reading Sherlock Holmes uh, but uh, he and Dr. Watson were on a camping trip, and after they had eaten a meal together, they retired for the night, and uh, it was about 3 a.m., Sherlock nudged Watson, and he said, Watson, look up in the sky and tell me what you see. And Watson said, I, I see millions of stars. And Holmes said to Watson, he said, well, what does that tell you? And he thought for a moment and he said, well, astronomically, it tells me that there are millions of galaxies and potentially billions of planets. Anthropologically, it tells me that Saturn is in Leo. Theologically, it tells me that God is great and we are small and insignificant. Horologically. It tells me that we'll have a beautiful day tomorrow. What does it tell you? And Sherlock said that somebody stole our tent. (laughs) 
So sometimes we really do miss the obvious and sometimes it can be funny. Sometimes, you know, it can be frustrating. It can be fearful. And I suspect that uh, most of us have our own stories about missing the obvious. You know, especially whenever we get older and uh, there's so many times I'll, I'll... I'll be looking in the refrigerator for something and I'll swear up and down it is not there. And lo and behold, it's right there in front of me all of the time. So sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's frustrating, sometimes it's fearful. But sometimes it's fatal whenever we, whenever we overlook the obvious. And uh, the sad fact here is in verse 11 where those Jews in that day... They overlooked the obvious and they failed to see that Jesus was the promised Messiah. And uh, no doubt there are many folks that you know that make that same mistake. And I want us to think about overlooking the obvious. And our text is verse 11. But before I get there, I want to give you some examples of what we're talking about in overlooking the obvious. And I, I do this because every example that I'm going to give you in some way can relate to our subject found in verse 11. The first, the first place where people overlook the obvious is the reality of creation. And I love the way this chapter starts, and it's, it, you know, you, I can't hardly read these verses without getting bogged down on any one verse because each one just opens up a line of thought that is, uh, that, that's so large that you, you just want to keep talking about it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Think about that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And then he goes on and tells us, and all things were made by Him. He was the Creator. And it's so amazing to me how anyone could believe in the Big Bang Theory and evolution. I mean, how, how could you believe that? I don't have enough faith to believe something that wild. To think that everything, just some Big Bang, and all of a sudden everything began to evolve from there. It's obvious, or it ought to be obvious, that only a wise and powerful God could design, could create, and then maintain control over the universe. You overlook the obvious. And the sad thing is, all across our nation, our children are being subjected to this nonsense by their teachers that man just evolved. And it's sad to think about them being brainwashed into believing something like that. So we sometimes overlook the obvious in regards to the reality of creation. Sometimes people overlook the obvious when it comes to the rottenness of man. That is the sinfulness, the vileness of man. A good part of the world tell you that man is basically good. But that's not what the Bible teaches. That's just the opposite of what the Bible teaches. We're born into this world with a sinful nature, and we, by nature, we are rotten, we are vile, unable and unwilling to live up to the standard of God's Word. 
And yet we look at man and we think, you know, you've just got to find the good in every person. Somebody said, well, preacher, I don't understand why bad things happen to good people. That's because there are no good people. I mean, none of us in and of ourselves are good. Anything that has to do with righteousness is imputed by Christ or imparted by Christ, one of the two, but it has nothing to do with what we can do. Not what we do, it's what He does through us, and therefore we never have any right to brag about anything that we do in life. And yet, we have this theory, you know, if we can just educate people, or if we, if we can just, if we can just give them enough handouts to show that we care, or whatever, whatever the theory might be, that ultimately we can bring the good out of man. But it doesn't work that way. Because as long as we have our old sinful nature, we're going to do what comes natural. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. It's it's what we are, and sin is what we do. That's why we should never be surprised by what any unsaved person does. How many times we've seen someone do something that is so foolish, we say to ourselves, I can't believe he did that. Why not? If he doesn't know Christ as his Savior, he's just doing what comes naturally and what he's been taught. It's the survival of the fittest and you make it through this world the best you can. If it means stepping on people, you know, that's, well, that's just what you've got to do. We need to come to grips with the fact as to our sinfulness. And so many people overlook what is so very obvious. It's unbelievable how man treats one another. I, and, 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 and you think about the, the liter, literally slaughtering the little innocent, I started to say unborn babies, but now they do that after they're born. How horrible to think that as a society that we would that we would tolerate something like that. And then there's another area where we overlook the obvious, and that has to do with the rule of, of sowing and reaping. The law of sowing and reaping. And the Bible is very clear about that, that whatever you sow, that you're going to that's what you're going to reap, and you're going to reap more. And we, we ought to we ought to understand that, right? Because I mean if you're going to if you're going to raise a crop of corn, you don't sow wheat, you sow corn. And you don't expect to get apples off of a peach tree. Everything reproduces after its kind. We reap what we sow. History proves that, and I think most of us from our own personal experience could say, you know, I have learned that choices have consequences. And I've made so many mistakes. And you would think after a while, you know, we'd get a grip on that and we would realize that this rule of sowing and reaping applies to every area of our life. And yet some people keep overlooking that. Throughout their lifetime they overlook that because they keep doing those things, making those choices that bring consequences that they're not satisfied with. That's why we often say, you know, that we are our own greatest enemy. 
We do things to literally destroy thyself. The Lord said to Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself. And we see people do that every single day. Sometimes, you know, folks will wonder, well, what in the world? Why could it be that, you know, I've got all of these difficulties? Now, don't misunderstand me because sometimes the very best people have the worst problems and it's for different reasons. So you and I are not judges when it comes to this matter as to why people are suffering. But the one thing that we do know and should know is that there's always a reason. And sometimes the reason is because God is chastising us for some foolish choice that we made and we're reaping the consequences and we seemingly just don't get the picture. And so God has to up the ante, so to speak. Turn up the heat. And He just keeps letting it pile on the consequences more and more until finally we realize that it's obvious that when we sin, there's going to be a price to pay. But there's another area where we overlook the obvious. That has to do with the reliability of the Bible. The Bible claims to be the Word of God. The Bible proves to be the Word of God. And yet most people never give it a fair hearing. They've never really investigated it. They've never read it. They've never really given any great consideration to it. And if they did, they would suddenly realize that the Bible is a book that man could not have written if he would. And he would not if he could. Because it addresses the sinfulness of man. It shows man exactly what he is. And we wouldn't write a book like that. We would want to put, you know, ourselves in the very best possible light. The Bible just levels all of the ground when it comes to humanity and puts us all right at the bottom of the list, flat on our back, realizing that we're nothing but sinners. And if we're ever to be saved, it'll only be by the grace of God. We wouldn't write a book like that. We couldn't write a book like that. And yet people overlook the obvious in that they refuse to even investigate the Bible. And if they did, they would be convinced that this book could not have been written by man. Other than through human instrumentality is God inspired the words. I'm glad that that we can trust the Bible, that we can know that the Bible is the Word of God. Remember when Jesus in chapter 3 was dealing with Nicodemus, and Nicodemus had all of these questions about, you know, the new birth, and how can a man be born again, you know, can he enter into his mother's womb the second time, and so forth, and Jesus is explaining all of this. And he said, you're a master in Israel. That is, you are a teacher in Israel. You've spent the entirety of your life studying the Scriptures, and yet you don't know these things. It was there, and it was obvious, but something that he had overlooked. And a lot of people are making that same mistake. There's another area where sometimes we overlook the obvious. And that's when it has to do with the revelation of God's love. The Bible tells us God is love. God is love. 
And yet there are those that, whatever the circumstances might be, that are going through extremely difficult times, and because of their ignorance of the Bible and the fact that they don't have a relationship with God, they begin to question that. They've heard, they've heard us Christians talk about the fact that our God is a God of love, and yet they look at some little child that's there in the hospital with cancer. Or they look at a broken relationship that has devastated them. Or they look at their bank account and the harder they work, the less they have. And just nothing is going right in their life. And they wonder, how can God be a God of love and let all of these things happen in my life? And yet the Bible says that God maketh His Son to rise on the just and the unjust alike. But there's more proof and greater proof. 1 John 3.16 says, Hereby perceive we, that is, hereby we understand we see, hereby perceive we the love of God because He laid down His life for us. I mean, what more evidence do we need than that? What truth could be more glorious than the fact that, that, as Paul said, but God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It doesn't get any better than that. And yet there are those that overlook the most obvious fact in the world that God is good. As we sang a while ago, God is good all of the time, not just some of the time. We don't always understand why God does what He does. We don't understand why God allows this and God allows that. We don't understand. We can't comprehend the ways of God. And yet we can know, should know, that God doesn't make any mistake. And what God does, He does out of love. That is, He does in keeping with His nature. And the wonderful thing about this is that he makes it all so simple that as serious as it is, it is in reality the most simple thing in all of the world. Now, he says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Just believe. Not a word said about working, climbing mountains, swimming oceans, nothing like that. Just believe. On the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that brings us down to our text this morning and the most important area when it comes to overlooking the obvious, and that's the recognition of Christ. Now some of you are already thinking, you're thinking, well, I can see exactly where this is going and what it's all about. You're thinking, this has to do with those that are unsaved. Here's another evangelistic sermon, and I'm saved and on my way to heaven, and I don't need that. And yet you've probably maybe ignored everything I just said leading up to this. There are born-again Christians that keep overlooking the obvious of what is going to happen by the choices that they make. And they just keep right on doing it over and over again. It's like we never learn. And so I said a while ago, but when that happens, God has to turn up the heat. Well, when I was a kid, you know, I, I, I just, I, I just looked forward to the day, you know, that, and, and it didn't take me long to, to be able to resist the pain inflicted by my mother. 
when she'd give me a spanking. And, and you know, I, I, I would just, she'd be spanking me and I would grin or laugh or at least clench my teeth. She couldn't make me cry. But whenever she said, uh, I'll let your daddy deal with this when he gets home, and I knew the jig was up because whenever daddy got home, everything's going to change then because daddy could make me cry. And, and let me tell you, whenever it comes to God chastising His children, you can sit here week after week after week pretending that nothing that Brother Kenneth or I says applies to you, but you mark it down. If you're a child of God, He's going to get your attention and by your by your stubbornness, all you're doing is making him turn up the heat. Because as soon as we learn the lesson, God lessens the pain. God doesn't He never chastises us for no reason. It's not like God is in a bad mood and so we're going to get a whipping today. God doesn't operate like that. So don't suppose for a moment that overlooking the obvious only applies to those that are unsaved. But, on the other hand, don't ever forget the fact that this is the most important, serious matter in your life. If you're here today and you've never received Christ as your Savior. Look at three key phrases. We're talking about overlooking the obvious as it has to do with the recognition of Christ. Verse 5, the darkness comprehended it not. Verse 10, the world knew Him not. Verse 11, His own received Him not. Now the question is, how could they fail to recognize Jesus as the Christ? How can that be? How is that possible? Whenever you look at Jesus and you think about all of the different things that give evidence that He is indeed the Christ, we think about the virgin birth. Prophesied over 700 years before Jesus was born. I mean, the, not only the manner of His birth, but the time and the place and all of the details surrounding the virgin birth. I mean, this is something that had never happened before, hasn't happened since. This is just a one-time thing, and He's the only one that's ever been born of a virgin. And yet there are those who reject Him. They overlook the obvious that that alone proves that He is who He claims to be. In addition to that, there is His virtuous life. I've known a lot of people that by human standards were really good people. People that I, that I felt like I could trust. People that I felt like I could confide in. People that did their very best to be a blessing to others. But I have never met anyone that's absolutely perfect, virtuous in every sense of the word, like Jesus was. And if you don't believe that He was, ask His enemies. They had to admit, I can't find any fault with this man. No one could issue a legitimate complaint about Him in any way whatsoever. He was, although tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. There is His virgin birth, His, his virtuous life. Think about His valuable teachings. If we could uh, 
search all of the libraries in the world and put all of the all of the lectures and all of the books and everything that has ever been written or spoken by man and put all of them together, it would not even come close to being the equal of the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then there are the various miracles of Christ. And I say various because during His earthly ministry, He did something to show His dominion over every area of life. He gave sight to the blind and unstopped the ears of the deaf. He raised the dead. He stilled the storm. He, he, he did everything imaginable to prove that He had control over everything on this earth. And we look at all of these things, these miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ. And these were miracles with a message. John tells us that in, in the Gospel of John. These things were written, he says, that ye might believe they were miracles with a message. And sadly, a lot of folks don't get the message. They overlook the obvious that no one other than the King of kings and the Lord of lords could do what he did. We think about his valiant courage as he set his face like a flint toward Calvary, not being deterred by absolutely anything on this earth. The courage to face that suffering on the cross. We think about His vicarious death that is on behalf of others. That He died for us. There was no sin in Him and no reason whatsoever for Him to be nailed to the cross. No reason for Him to die. And yet He died for us. I've never had anyone, you know, to literally intentionally just die for me. And I certainly don't know of anyone that ever could say, I died for everybody in the world. You know, a good man will lay down his life for somebody that he loves. But only Jesus could say, I laid down my life for the very worst, most vile people on this earth. And He tasted death for every man, the Bible says. And then there is His victorious resurrection. Think about it. After three days and three nights in the grave, He got up out of the grave and showed Himself alive. What more evidence do we need? And yet there are those that overlook the obvious that Jesus is the Christ. And then there's the visible ascension up into heaven. Can you imagine being there that day? You say, yeah, but you know, that, the, the, those there, that, that wasn't everybody. No, they could have been. They should have been. Wasn't the Lord's fault that they didn't witness that? As He ascended back into the heaven. You see, the Lord did whatever was necessary to remove absolutely every doubt and every obstacle and yet, people keep overlooking the obvious that He is who He said He was. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's God in the flesh. And He died for us. How could anyone not recognize Him? But obviously, no amount of evidence will convince some people. It doesn't make any difference. You can accumulate all the evidence possible as we tried to do here this morning and put all of these pieces together. And any, any one speck of evidence ought to be enough 
to be able to say that He is the Christ indeed. He is who He claimed to be. As obvious as that is, people keep overlooking that fact. He was rejected by those who should have been the first to recognize Him and the most eager to receive Him. The Jewish people, He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. Why? Well, for one thing, they loved darkness rather than light. For another thing, He wasn't the kind of Messiah that they preferred. They were not thinking along spiritual lines. They wanted a Messiah. They wanted someone to deliver them from the authority of the Roman government. They just wanted the freedom to do as they pleased. They did not look for a Messiah that would exert control over their life and demand submission to His authority. To put it bluntly, they just failed to see their need of being delivered from sin. There in John chapter 8 where He's dealing with those religious Jews of that day. And they said, well, we have Abraham to our father. Jesus said, but if you know the truth, the truth will make you free. And they said, but we've never been in bondage to any man. What fools they were to totally ignore the fact that they were sinners in need of a Savior. And they missed it. They overlooked the obvious just as multitudes are doing today. But someday, everyone will recognize Him, but it will be too late. There in Philippians chapter number 2, as Paul speaks about His first coming, and the fact that whenever the Lord came, He came into this world as a servant. He, He took the place of a servant. He gave His life as a sacrifice, but then He says that He's coming back, And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Amen. That He is the King of kings. That He is the Lord of lords. There are those hardened by sin that have made foolish statements like, I don't want to be a Christian. I don't want to worship your God. I don't care about your God. I don't believe your Bible. But the vilest of sinners in that day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. I was wrong. The Bible was right. I was wrong. The preacher was right. I was wrong. Jesus is Lord. So whenever we base everything on the claims of Christ, we face this matter that He is either a liar Or he's a lunatic. Or he's Lord. And I'm convinced that he indeed is Lord. If you don't see him as Lord, you have overlooked the most obvious thing in all of the world. Notice this verse again, just piece by piece. He came. When, where, and how he promised. He came. He came to do what He said that He would do, which is to seek and to save that which was lost. And because of that, because He came, whatever happens to man, it's not God's fault. Nobody can blame God. 
because he came. Notice he came unto his own. They had been learning of him for centuries. They had been looking for him all of, all of this time. And he came just as he promised, fulfilling all of the prophecies related to it. He came unto his own. Notice in the saddest words, perhaps in all of the Bible. And his own received him not. That is the most serious sin in all of the world. He came to them, but they wouldn't come to Him. He came to redeem, but they refused. And this is the sin that damns man. This is the sin that brings the wrath of God upon man. God made it so simple. God made it so clear. That He had sent His only begotten Son into this world to die for our sins. And for anyone to reject Him, to refuse Him, is to overlook the most obvious thing in all of the world. What a sad, sad way to end a message. But, notice verse 12, but... There's an option here. But as many as received Him, to them gave He the power to become the sons of God. There's absolutely no excuse for us overlooking the obvious concerning who Jesus is and what He came to do. It's obvious. And the only reason that we would overlook that is the fact that we love the darkness rather than the light. That we refuse to consider the evidence that God has given. But, but as many, well that would include everybody, there's nobody left out of that, as many as receive Him. Everybody could, not everybody does. As many as receive Him, to them gave He the power to become the sons of God. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing this morning for someone here to say, you know, all of these years, I've been overlooking the obvious. I've been religious. I've attended church. I'm even a church member. But I've overlooked the obvious. The obvious that Jesus Christ is who He said He was. God in the flesh who died vicariously upon the cross for my sins. He is Lord of all. And wouldn't it be wonderful this morning if you received Him instead of rejecting Him like the Jews of that day. Have you received Him as your Lord and Savior? Will you receive Him this morning? Trust Him just simply by faith. Believe that He is who He said that He was. That He did what He did. And that He'll do what He promised. No one has ever trusted Him in vain. Amen? Let's all stand. Father, how we thank You, Lord, for the great opportunity that You've made available to to whosoever, the great opportunity that is before the whole earth, the opportunity for us to look and to see and to know 
beyond any shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. And Lord, yet how sad it is that there are those that overlook the most obvious thing in the world that He is indeed who He claimed to be. God, I just pray that for that person today, whether it's a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, that Lord, that the Holy Spirit might work to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, that all of a sudden they'll see their great need of Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior and receive Him before it's too late. For we ask it all in His name. Amen. Let us stand. Don't overlook the obvious this morning. It's 4.30.